so much. It's just amazing how many wonderful people we have here. I bet uh, you love hearing from different ones along the way. Thank you, Hannah, for sharing with us and loving so deeply. But pray with me today. Father, we love you. We're so thankful that you are a uh, God that is good and a God that is great. We thank you that you know everything that is going on in our lives and uh, you are intimately concerned about it. I ask you today, Holy Spirit of the living God, that you would rule and you would reign uh, in our lives through Jesus Christ. We honor you, we praise you, and we adore you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to Community of Faith. You may hear it called CFCF. It's longer name, shortened Community of Faith Christian Fellowship. So if you hear Community of Faith or CFCF, that's where you are. So welcome. It's good to have you here today. We're in the second week of our series called We Are. And this series is talking about uh, what we are about here at Community of Faith Christian Fellowship. We are uh, going to be talking about, as we talked about last week, we started with our seven, seven values that we have here at Community of Faith, that we feel like they define us as a people, and they distinguish us uh, as a people. Uh, they do not make us superior to other people, but we have a gift to give, I believe, to the body of Christ. We have many gifts to receive the rest of us. And uh, this is, we're talking over the first two weeks here of our sermon series about sharing life. And uh, in this particular uh, uh, part of our mission statement, which is loving God, sharing life, and proclaiming Jesus, we're going to look today at our value, which is reproducing life uh, through discipleship, faith groups, uh, small groups, and church planting. So... Uh, but before we get to uh, talking about life, I want to describe what do we mean when we're talking about life here at Community uh, of Faith. You, you may say, you know, it's great to uh, uh, talk about it, but what do you really mean by that? I'm going to mention a little bit about that. As we talk today, uh, I want to talk that the word life that we're talking about here is, the, is what Jesus lived and he described in the book of John. Chapter 10 and verse 10, which is, I, uh, the thief, speaking of the devil, Jesus said, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life, and this is the type of life we're talking about, it's just about to come. You ready for it? Life in all its forms. Life to the full. Abundant life, whatever you want to call that. Jesus said, I didn't just come that you may have existence. I didn't just come that you may have survival. I came, and this is the word I'll put on it, I came that you may have thrival. Not just survival. Not just existence, but thrival. That your life would take on the very essence of who God has made you to be. Uh, there are three things about this thrival that I want to mention. Uh, that uh, we're going to talk about for a moment as we look at uh, abundant life. And these are freedom from the bondage and destruction of sin. The, the second one is uh, power that is fully realized in our daily lives. And the third one is healthy and productive relationships. 
Okay, let's look at that real quickly. So we we have this this value that we're speaking about here, community of faith. But I want to really, it's very important that you understand what we mean by life. And uh, I think you're getting an idea. Just say thrive and Even if you like it or no. Say thrive 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 Anybody want to thrive rather than survive? Anybody out there? I hope more than four. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, let's look at this. Abundant life. Okay? Thrive abundant life. Those are two words that I would put in a chain. But I'm going to say abundant life means freedom from the bondage and destructive influence of sin. Freedom from the destructive influence of sin. Wow. Uh, let's read here in Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. It says here, uh, Paul speaking to the Romans says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to be obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one that you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. You know, many times people view living a Christian life, and I've had this view at times, as a restrictive sort of existence. More about the what you can't do than what you can do. Right? The old saying, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't go with girls that do. That was one that, uh, anyway, is an old. But the point of the matter is really focused on the negatives and what you can't do. But I want to suggest to you today that a surrendered life to God is the most free and abundant life you can live. No questions, hands down. Sin, let, let's say this, what is sin? Sin is disobedience to God. As the word sin, missing the mark in archery, uh, had a traditional meaning of that, what we mean is missing the mark with God. The scripture clearly says that all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. God is perfect and we have sin. But sin has a definite and destructive influence. It has a corrosive influence, whatever word you want to put there. And uh, so the uh, uh, but you know we if we choose to walk in freedom from serving God, right? I want to walk in freedom. I don't want to serve and obey God, right? I don't want to be restricted. Well, there's, you have an opportunity to do that. Human beings have an opportunity to, run, to walk in freedom, so to speak, of God's control and God's influence and God's uh, uh, yeah, power in their lives. People can do that. Someone would have the freedom in this room. Someone would have the freedom in this city to walk and be free of the restrictions of sexual restriction. Free from those restrictions that God puts on sexual life. Right? Someone would be free to engage in pornography. Someone would be free to engage in immorality, to engage in promiscuity, whatever other word you might put there. You are free to engage in that. That's very clear. Typically, we, we do have a sovereign God, and we have a choice as to whether to respond to that. So we have a freedom whether we want to do that. But whoever chooses to be free from the influence of that restriction, ends up destroyed. That's the key. There's a destructive. You can be free, but you cannot be free of the consequences and the destructive and corrosive nature of that choice to be free of the bonds God puts. You see, I can guarantee you that God's putting restriction on it. It has a destructive nature in your life. 
God never puts a restriction on good things. Or he, or he may put a restriction for a time period on certain things, uh, marriage, uh, children, whatever, or whatever else in your life, that, that you think timing-wise needs to happen, but he will never restrict something that is ultimately good for you. Okay. Well, anyway, so but the Christian life is um, is a life that is free from the destructive influence of sin. Here's the good news: to someone who surrenders to Jesus as Lord, you don't have to sin anymore. <laughs> you do not have to sin anymore. Let me say that one more time. Maybe you didn't hear me. You do not have to sin anymore. Yes. Does it mean you won't sin anymore? Unlikely. Uh, but it means you will sin less and less until you meet Jesus in heaven. Our goal is to be like Christ and righteousness and holiness. This is not about us doing some perfect legal thing, but you are no longer under the bondage of sin. You see, grace is not, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm free. Jesus paid for me on the cross. Jesus forgave my sins, so I'm free to do anything. Grace is the power to live free from the destructiveness of sin. And that makes it happen. You see, because where the destructiveness of sin takes place, be it greed, be it uh, lying, be it whatever the, the, the nature of sin is, the destructiveness actually restricts your life. It actually causes your life to have less faults. And it is not thriving. It becomes survival. And uh, it's interesting. But... So ultimately, again, I want to say this. The life we're speaking of today is one that's free from the bondage and the destruction of sin. Whatever that area may be, whatever that area may be, in your life or my life, what is sin? It is anything that is a selfish choice to disobey what God has for us that ends up being destructive to our lives. God is not a killjoy. You've heard this one before. He is a killjoy. Absolutely. Paul did not say in the book of Ephesians, do not be drunk with wine because you might enjoy it. No. Do not be drunk with wine because it leads to debauchery. Because it leads to the corrosion and destruction of sin. That's what it does. Not don't have a good time. God's more into your good time than you are. When we take over the lordship of our own good time, then we have a so-so time. Or worse. Much worse. Anyway, so this abundant life means freedom from the bondage of sin and destruction of that. Anybody happy about that today? (laughs) I'm happy about it. It's the band's fault. They got me excited about loving and praising Jesus today. Abundant life also, this whatever I've called terms thrival, this abundant life means God's power in our daily lives. Wow, power in my daily life. That's that's a really good thing. Let's look at Romans 8 and verse 11. It says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Because of His Spirit who lives in you. I've got good news for you today. For those of you who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord, who have placed your faith in His cleansing blood for all your sins. 
to be forgiven. I've got good news. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Think about it. That's a lot. He lives in you. No, he's not. It's not like theoretically he lives in you. Yeah, I know he theoretically, you know. No, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and he will give power to you. He will give life. What's that word? Life. Abundant life. He will give life. If you're more God. Man, so many of us feel powerless at times in regards to our life. But the the kind of life that we're talking about today is that kind of life. Um, You know, the abundant life of Jesus is one that's full of power. It's full of the power to love those around us because we know that we have a deep love from our Heavenly Father. We have a security to know that that whatever they think of me, I know what He thinks of me. There's power in that. It says that we have, that Spirit is the Spirit of Sonship. By which we cry out, Abba! Daddy, Father. Praise his own name. Well, let's look here for a second at the life of Jesus. It's full of power to love those around us, like I said, with that heavenly love in our hearts. It's full of power, as we look at the life of Jesus, to see people healed from sin. We have seen in our movement, our overall movement in this world, we've seen dead people raised. A taxi driver in Mongolia raised to life again after 36 hours dead. Not private. Talking dead. Giving testimony to the entire city about his salvation. The man, the doctor who proclaimed him dead, got saved, gave his life to Jesus. The, his family members are talking that kind of power of life. But you know what we also have the power to do? It's to love people when it doesn't happen. When their little child dies, a little five-year-old is son, friends of ours, he died. He didn't come back to life. He died. We prayed for him. I'm sure the way to the people after this man or the little girl who prayed this man to be healed and raised from the dead. But it didn't happen. But guess what? I got the power to get in there and say, I love you. We love you. We're not going to give up on our faith in God due to this. It's power to have hope in the most hopeless of situations. There are hopeless situations out there. There's break your heart. But there's hope. There's power. The Holy Spirit fills us with hope. It is power to love the unlovely. Uh, when you love the unlovely, realize you're unlovely at some point. <laughs> People are loving you too. So God gives you the power to be loved and to love. But you are very lovely in the depth of who you are. It is power to go beyond our normal abilities and attempt great things for God. We are, are saying we want to see the world transform for Jesus. We want to go everywhere from this place. What the people have called the missionary graveyard at times. We're saying, no, we're going to live in private. We're going to go for God. We're going to go for this purpose and we're going to attempt great things for God. That's a little bit of what I mean by abundant life. Abundant life also is, it means healthy relationships with God and with others. Let's look real quickly. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude, mindset, 
The NIV changed to 2011 to 1985 only, so I get thrown off on my one word or two years. Have the same mindset in you as Christ. What was the mindset of Christ? It was a mindset of healthy life relationship. Jesus had an extremely healthy relationship with his father. It went back backwards. Like no end. Like Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit were together from all eternity, loving and caring and having a trinity humility, loving one another in love. And Jesus had that. And Jesus was secure. Here's a little example. When we look at a model for healthy relationship, anybody seen a destroyed relationship out there? Anybody have to look two inches? You know? I'm at McDonald's typing on my notes last night, and the guy is just, his life is just destroyed. By all of these choices, I'm just, I'm not even trying to over here. And, and you go left and right, I mean, oh my goodness. Anyway, but if we look at the model for healthy relationships, we don't need to look any further than the Lord Jesus. This guy is healthy. This man, the, the God-man Christ Jesus is extremely healthy. He loved his enemies. Jesus loved his enemies. He loved and honored his father and his mother. He honored his mother so much that when he was hanging on the cross, holding the sin of the world, he said to John, John, his best friend on earth, behold your mother. He's holding the weight of the sin on his, on his shoulders. The, the world sin upon him. And at that moment, he chooses to say, I've got to make sure I honor my mother. I want to make sure that Mary, my mother, is taken care of. John, behold your mother. And from that moment, John took her into his home. I love Jesus. I pray that you would love him with an extreme love and it would change the world. Oh, goodness gracious. He had healthy relationships with the opposite sex. Jesus was single and he hung around girls and he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't draw their hearts out, you know, stand up till three, talk to the names of kids to me, as one song said. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't, he didn't do anything. There was but he had deep relationships with, with the opposite sex. He had relationships with the same sex. He had healthy same-sex relationships. No same-sex um, things improper, but he had healthy relationships with guys. He had healthy relationships with women. Healthy relationships with everybody. Man, oh man, oh man. I'm talking. You want to talk abundant life, thriving? That's Jesus. Jesus. Uh, uh, was so secure, he didn't have a competitive spirit. Jesus wasn't trying to one up. You know, he wasn't pulling John and Peter aside and saying, "Did you check that out?" Yeah, yeah, you guys, you saw some healing. You see what I did over there? No, Jesus was coming with a quick telling others did he heal. He's going around. Right you know, us were like, "Oh, I saw a toenail lady." You know, get a little bit better. So we're talking about Jesus. He didn't have a competitive spirit. He had healthy relationships. He wasn't trying to one-up anybody. He wasn't down for all of us. Praise His holy name. He went down to die on the cross for you and me. Praise His name. You know, He wasn't caught. Oh, some loved Him, Jesus. Some hated Him. I'll just study that. But He loved them all. He loved everyone. Judas came into the garden, leading a detachment of soldiers to Jesus, betrayed him. Jesus had just washed his feet, but knew that he betrayed him. And guess what Jesus said to Judas? Judas came up to him and Jesus said, Friend, 
Do what you came for. I'm falling in love with Jesus right here. He's a precious one. He loves us. He loves you intimately. You are his friend. Whether you've been an enemy to him so far, or whether you've been a friend to him, he is your friend. And he's saying, friend, come to me. This is the kind of life we're talking about. He was not caught with bitterness, unforgiveness, or victim mindset. I hope that you really understand what we mean by life. Right? Not just survival. So now that we've talked about that, we're going to quickly, by the grace of God, go into what do we mean by reproducing life? Do you know what life is now? What what I'm talking about a little bit? We're talking about reproducing that kind of life in our discipleship relationships, in our small group relationships, and and by starting new churches and reproducing life everywhere. Okay? Let's talk a little bit about this reproduction end of things. Physical reproduction is a gift from God, right? He gave it to Adam. He first command, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Okay? So God put this whole process of reproduction together. Satan didn't create sex. God did. And he, he knew that it would cause a reproduction across the world. Satan perverted sex. I'll make that clear. But God created it in its purest and right form be enjoyed within the bonds of marriage between a husband and wife. Anyway, God's first command in the Bible is to be fruitful and multiply. Well, my wife and I are going to be uh, embarking on this for the third time in a couple weeks. We're going to be embarking on having a child. My wife's actually done the hard work. I uh, sat there, it's funny, uh, when we were having to our first child, I was quoting Psalm 23 over the wrong way. She, you know, I mean, I'm just, I know that. You know, so anyway, we're going to see this happen again. We got a little girl coming. Oh, 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 I'm in trouble. Oh, 21, baby. I just, I'm going to get But anyway, so we're going to have a baby here coming very soon. And in this process, uh, a child is born. I'm not going to go through that process to you. Uh, thank you very much much. <laughs> but one thing I particularly remember at the birth of my children, other than a man he's like, uh, is <laughs> I'm not joking, I thought you know, I'd be overwhelmed with this amazing feeling, you know. And my first thought was, who's going to clean me? But anyway, the first thing I noticed about this was that um, uh, they're, they're hopeless. They're living, but they're not thriving. I mean, in the sense of their own independence and growth and all that, they're living. But you can't do anything the next. Don't like this. You know, I mean, you're obviously pooping, you know. You're not taking care of that. I'm still wiping some bottoms around my house. It takes a long time, a lot of work. Bottoms. Anyway, we won't go there. But uh, they're not doing anything. They can't crawl. You see, they have existence. And they have life. We mean that. We, you know what we mean by life. They have physical life, which is starts at conception. Okay? But they don't have a true abundance of life until someone lays their life down for them so that they might experience that life. Right? i got a, just a newsflash for you. Somebody wiped your body. 
I think. <laughs> Hopefully, somebody took care of you, somebody. And I think, man, I've been great. And you may have, have grown up in a really tough city. Somebody was protecting, providing, and caring for you when you couldn't. So that you could get to where you are today, and ultimately you could begin taking care of the next generation. That's what we're talking about, reproducing life. And the thing that I want to say here on it is this. Um, <laughs> the thing about it is, life is, life is reproduced easily, right? Normal life, not the word I'm talking about. Existence, life, living. But, but mature and, and fullness of life, of being able to walk and talk and breathe and eat and do all of these things, it takes a lot of work by someone to see a birth into their life. You can birth a child, but birth a living being uh, in a sense of fullness of independence and all of that takes work. You know, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I want to say this. The process of a person or group of people going from living in bondage to sin with a life lacking in divine power and unhealthy broken relationships. The process of people taking their people from there, an individual or a group of people, to living in the freedom from sin and its destructive influence, to living uh, with uh, divine power in their lives, to living uh, with healthy relationships, that's what we're talking about by reproducing life. Nobody came here fixed completely, either am I. I'm still, God's still reproducing his life. He's still dealing with the destructive influence of sin in my life. He's still dealing with the areas of rejection in my life that need to be broken so that I can know his love more. But I'm further along 23, 25, however many years down the road now than I was. I have more thriving than I used to. This is what we're talking about, about reproducing life. And it takes work. It doesn't happen by accident or chance. Oh, wow. Someone can pray a prayer to receive Jesus. And I would invite you, if you don't know him, to pray today. He'll come into your heart. He'll be your Lord forevermore. And I love that. That's, that's my largest desire. But Paul himself spoke and said, I am in pains of childbirth, right, until I see Christ born in you. That was what he was talking about. Not just see you pray a prayer to receive Jesus, which is the first step. Of your relationship with God. But I want to see Christ form. And so let's look real quickly at 1 Thessalonians 2 and see three ways that Paul um, uh, reproduced life in the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 1 and then 6 through 14. You know, brothers and sisters, oh, by the way, I'm sorry, the Thessalonians were, Thessalonica was the capital of Macedonia. And Paul ended up in Macedonia because he was heading toward, he was going for Jesus and telling everybody about Jesus. It says the spirit of Jesus stopped him. I don't know how that worked, but he didn't get there. I don't know if it was a physical person or just forced <laughs> But it says he couldn't get to the thing where he was going. But then he fell asleep and he had a dream. And this dream, or actually he had a vision. And the vision was of a man in Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. So Paul went to these people uh, uh, in Thessalonica, the capital city of Macedonia, and he preached the gospel to them, and he's talking to them. This letter is just a love letter, and it's a letter of instruction to them. Actually, uh, no more explanation. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. 
We are not looking for praise from people, nor from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil, hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you. You were witnesses, and so is God, how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who called you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ. You see, we see from this scripture that Paul painstakingly reproduced life in the Thessalonians. And we know what kind of life that is, right? We talked about that. Reproduce not existence, not survival, but thriving. Paul reproduced it. I'm just going to look at three ways very quickly. And we will draw to a close. Paul reproduced life in the Thessalonians by caring for it. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. Going back to the scripture we read. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Paul took great pains to feed and to care for the Thessalonians. Spiritually and physically. He did whatever it took. He multiplied his life. He reproduced his life in them through caring for their needs. He wasn't casual about his relationship with them. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Is that joy, you come in and you experience. You know some of what you experience today? Is because a lot of people painstakingly live life on life with one another, going through the ups and downs, the ins and the outs, and you get to experience the fruit of it. But I'm challenging you, reproduce the fruit of it. Stay around, walk in it, Unless we produce it all in the world. Why not? Anyway, little plug there. Throughout the years, uh, anyway, so uh, he showed great attention to them and he didn't miss anything they needed. At Community of Faith, we reproduce this life through caring for each other in our small group discipleship groups, right? We had small groups of two and three and however many. And women, there was just a, um, uh, an announcement recently that there are women's groups forming and uh, men. Michael Aguilar has, has a group of men that are meeting together. And this is all happening through our faith groups as well. But we meet together. And, and we reproduce life uh, by caring for one another. Let me give you a couple of examples. I've seen people care for each other in so many ways. Small disciples of groups listening to one another. This happens in my house all the time. Three people put together. Someone's pouring their heart out. Others are caring and sharing. And that's caring for one another. Listening. Bearing one another's burdens and caring. In faith groups, people do that. Through uh, just I've seen it in faith groups numerous times. People share something, a burden of theirs, and the group just gathers around and prays with people going through joblessness, people going through hopelessness, people going through whatever lessness, and people gathering around saying, We are here together. Care. Caring. You see, Paul didn't just preach the gospel, he lived the gospel among them. You wonder sometimes why, why worship at times and why the Christian life at times can tend toward flatness and, and lack of life and zest. It's because we're not living and rubbing our lives up against one another enough. Believe you me, there'll be some fireworks if you do it <laughs> in a good way and, and in some challenges. 
Paul reproduced life with the Thessalonians by sharing with them. First he shared, then he shared. Or, well, he probably did both at, um, back and forth. First Thessalonians 2 eight. Because we love you so much, we are delighted not only to share the gospel, but our lives. Paul shared the gospel. He shared the good news of Jesus Christ with these Thessalonians. But he also shared his life with them, as I said earlier. He shared everything about himself with them. This meant he wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a parent. He was a dear friend. See, there's now a friendship. Not a friendship of, I demand everyone to be my friend. Why are they all on the inside? I'm on the outside. A friendship that says, I choose to get free of the cycle of rejection in my life. And I choose to press into others and to be their friend. And not to wait around for my phone to ring, but to think of someone lonely and give them a call. We at Community Faith reproduce that life, the thriving, by sharing the good news of Jesus. We share in discipleship and faith groups. And honestly, all our ability people sharing here are the issues of sin, that corrosive nature is getting me, or will get me, not sharing People opening up their lives and sharing their lives with one another. Sharing, man, people have shared meals, people have shared homes, people have shared you pay it. And I've been beneficiary, I've been but reproducing life in that kind of way. That doesn't happen casually. It happens intentionally as we live our lives together. Is this something you have to do? No, you don't have to do it. You get to do it. You get to be free of sin. You get to be full of life. You get to be a part of God's community. Jesus did, uh, did, did this in such a wonderful way. Jesus died for individuals, but he called those individuals in a tight community called church. We're going to end here soon. Paul reproduced life in the Thessalonians by preparing them. Okay? So he cared for them, he shared with them, and he prepared them. Paul prepared them. Paul knew that at some point these Thessalonians weren't going to have him around. Paul didn't say anywhere that long. I think two or three years was the fact. But he was always intentional about preparing them. Now, caring is a first step in preparing people. Caring is a good first step in preparing people. But... It is not the final step. How odd would it be if Jude was 18 years old? Now, there are some situations in life where the person is the same. But my son, who has every capability of dressing himself, at 18 years old, I'm putting his underwear and his pants on? No! I cared for you that way at one point. It's time for you to grow up, care for yourself, and then begin caring for other people. Paul prepared them. He shared with them. It says, how did he prepare them? Three quick ways here. He encouraged them in who they were in Christ. A powerful understanding of what Christ is, uh, uh, who they were in Christ. He taught them how to give and receive comfort and strengthen one another. And he urged them to live these lives worthy of God. He said, here's the danger zone. Here's this. Here's what I want to warn you about. Here's what I want to encourage you about. Go forth and do it. So we at Community Faith reproduce that life by preparing people. What we want to do is prepare people to be life carriers. Abundant life carriers, thriving people, and wherever they go, it's reproduced. Wherever they go individually or as a group, it's reproduced. And God does that in a wonderful way. But you know, church planning is just a simple example of us saying, I want to, uh, we are willing to sacrifice what we have here to some degree to see it built somewhere else. Do you know that the church in Tiffany has almost 300 people meeting there now? We sent that church out along with another church next to us. The last three years, we sent three of these bridal groups out. I mean, I know Travis, he's competitive. He's one of the people like Come on, watch the plan. Let's go back.
started a year and a half ago. They're free. They've been too eighty, too bad. Life has happened because we're willing to risk and do it again. You see, I don't want to just do it with just a bigger, bigger group. I want groups of people everywhere talking about Jesus. Seekers. For those of you who are seekers in this room, I want to say this. I invite you to this community of faith. I'd love to have you here. Love you to stay here. And you know, if you're a seeker, you don't have to have every answer. We have the answer. I want to say that humbly. It is not having the right answers. We have Jesus. And He is the answer. It's, it's not us. It's the great one among us. Let me be humble with that. But we want to care for you. We want to share with you. And we want to prepare you for the wonderful life that you have. And we believe it. And for those who are believers, I just want to challenge you, believers in this room, to go to another level and say, I want to throw my life into Jesus and with His people. I want to be those, I want to be free from the corrosive influence of sin. I want to be full of the life of God and power of God in my life. And I want to press on to healthy relationships and see this all produced again and again. What would it look like if everyone of us would give ourselves to that again at a new level? It would be world-shaking. Let's stand. Let's pray.